This episode of Proudly ADHD Podcast has been brought to you by our signature program, The Great ADHD Reset. In this program, we help ambitious ADHDers who are overextended, exhausted, unmotivated, and feeling out of balance learn compassionate and sustainable solutions to break the vicious cycle of burnout. So if you want to know more about The Great ADHD Reset, please go to our website, greatadhdreset.com. And here is an awesome episode with my colleague, Brandon Mahan, on burnout and ADHD. Hope you enjoy it. Welcome to Proudly ADHD at work and in business. I am your host, Coach Kathy Rashidian, and I help professionals like you understand the science behind your unique brain so you can unlock that inner genius. Ready to transform your ADHD into your best asset? Keep listening. Welcome to another episode with Coach Kathy. I have an awesome guest for you. Brendan comes from ADHD Essential. He's got his own podcast and a whole bunch of other things that he's going to tell you about. But I'm excited because we're going to talk about burnout. This has been top of mind for me. We talk about it in our group coaching program. It's just everywhere, okay? So let's just be real about burnout and how it exists in family life, in work life. And I love Brendan's perspective. We talked about this before and really like what he has to say. So welcome, Brendan, to the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. Tell us a little bit about yourself before we get into it, please. Sure. So my name is Brendan Mahan. I am an ADHD coach, speaker, consultant person. I used to be a teacher and I spent some time as a mental health clinician. So I have a master's in education. I also have a master's in counseling. I'm the host of the ADHD Essentials podcast. And for those of you who have heard about it, I'm also the creator of the wall of awful model of ADHD and the effects of repeated failure. Awesome. So Brendan, this topic of burnout, what comes up for you when I say this, and especially in the workplace, and then you can link it to home and family as well, for sure. Um, the first thing I think about when I think about burnout is that burnout is not your fault. Like it, 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 burnout, it, it's easy to feel like you're doing something wrong because you're getting burned out. Right. It's and especially with hustle culture and all that stuff where it's like you just got to grind and do it and be productive and rah, like that's anyway. nonsense. Yeah, it's not real. Yeah. Um, burnout is systemic. It's the consequence of the environment and the systems that you exist in and those systems not meeting your needs. That's mm -hmm. what that's what burnout is. And. And we can go for a little while in a system that isn't meeting our needs, but eventually we're done, right? Eventually it's just not going to work anymore. And, and it's, it's also important to recognize that systems are much, much bigger potentially than we might anticipate. You could be working in a job that is fine, right? Like it's a, it's a good job. It's going well. You could be working in your favorite job ever mm -hmm. and maybe even still burn out. Because yeah. although you're supported at work and you've got a great boss and you love what you're doing, you still exist in a larger culture outside of that company that you work in and a larger world outside of that culture that you are in. And right now, this is a moment of flux in the world. We are living through a significant moment of history. There's war in Europe 
at, as we've recorded this, right? There's, there's all kinds of stuff happening across the globe. I, I'm in the United States. In, in, in my country, there's strife and political division and conflict and those sorts of things. There's even stuff going on in my town that I've had to be involved in and trying to help some kids and support them. So, so I don't, I'm not only affected by my career, right? I'm not only affected by my home life. I'm also affected by all of these other things that are going on that can contribute to whether or not I might get burned out as an employee, as a parent, as a boss, as a business owner, as a friend, as a mom, as a dad, as a spouse. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's one thing you talked about. I want to go back to it for a second, please. Being in the right job, knowing that, okay, this is great, supportive boss, but why am I experiencing burnout? I, could you link that with ADHD? What's your perspective of ADHD coming in, the job, you're loving it. How, what is your experience in, in observing how ADHD shows up in that? Sometimes it can be a situation where you love your job, but there's elements of it that aren't that great and maybe aren't so healthy for you, but you're not seeing them because you have ADHD and you're only paying attention to the stuff that you love. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I was a teacher for a long time. I was an English teacher and I love working with kids. I love teaching kids. I love the aha moments. I love helping them come to terms with a new knowledge and figure out new problems. That stuff is awesome. Grading, on the other hand, the executive functioning heavy nature of grading and especially grading essays. Oh man, that's brutal. That's really, really rough. And and then you bring into that other sort of paperwork stuff like IEPs and 504s. Right. And, and yes, I want to do right by those kids. And I want to know what what strategies I need to provide and and execute on in order to in order to support those kids. But I take an expansive view of that and go, oh, I've got 12 kids in my classroom who are on an IEP. Most of the accommodations are the same for each kid. So if I just do this blanket policy, I'm covering those. 12 kids mm -hmm. and probably supporting other kids too. Early on in my career, I would try to like, this kid needs this support. Mm -hmm. This kid needs that support. And I'm doing the same support 12 times to support 12 kids instead of doing that support once and letting the kids all benefit from it. Right? So some of it is that there's elements of any job that you're not going to like. Even if you love your job, you're still going to end up with stuff that sucks. And it's important that we know that going in because especially younger people, but maybe not even them, maybe even older people too, sometimes we don't realize that there's stuff about the job that's going to suck no matter what we do. Yeah. I, I kind of made my job up, right? Like I am an ADHD coach. There's not a lot of us out there. It's not a thing that like has a set structure. There's sort of a set structure, but it's not like, I don't have a boss that's telling me what to do. Yeah. And I still have things that I don't like. I'm my own boss, but I still have to make myself do things. Mm -hmm. There's days when email is not a thing I want to deal with. There's days when editing my podcast is not something that I'm oh, feeling. Amen. <laughs> but, oh, well, I still have to do it. Even billing my clients. If I could get away with never billing clients and somehow still pay my mortgage in a heartbeat. Yeah. Yeah. But I have to do those things even though I made my job up, even though I'm my own boss. And the sooner we can come to terms with that, the more 
kind of protection and armor we give ourselves against burnout because some of it is being a little jaded in like a healthy way and just being like, oh no, this is just reality. I don't need to get so upset about it because that ADHD emotional dysregulation plays a role too, right? It's easy to get indignant and dispirited about something you don't like about your job when you love the rest of it. Yeah. And there's there's a few things I want to share with you and, and get your in, insights on it. Uh, I remember when I was into, and this is before knowing about my ADHD in the corporate world, the putting up my hands for everything and just, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, I'll do that. And I had my own responsibility, but then I would see a department struggling with something. I'm like, oh, I want to be in there too. And this savior thing that we do, and I, I call it the self-appointed fire marshal that we're just going to go in and like put out all sorts of fires. Which then led to my burnout. So, do you see that? What, what, what do you want to say to that? Is is this like the seeking for stimulation when your tasks are so like, man, I can do this with my eyes closed. Let me go create more work for myself. Yes. Can I yes and that? Is yeah. That okay? Yeah. Right? Go ahead. Yeah. Totally seeking stimulation that's in there, and wanting maybe some control and wanting needing, needing more to do because you're just getting things done. That's yeah. there too. But also there's a layer for ADHD folks to sort of like pull back the curtain and, and, and show the dark underbelly of we ADHD people. People with ADHD fail a lot, mm. make a lot of mistakes. Mm -hmm. And some of what you're describing is potentially a trauma response to that failure, mm. right? It's potentially... I have to prove myself all the time yes, or they're going to catch me and find out that I suck, right? So I'm volunteering for more things than I really should be because I feel like I have to keep proving my worth and proving my value and otherwise I'm going to get fired. And if I just do the bare minimum, that's not going to be enough. Yeah. Because, that. Yeah. And, and some of that too is because there's times in our lives as ADHD people when we are doing the bare minimum because that's all we can do. And we feel terrible about that because there's other times when we want and need the stimulation and we're going like gangbusters and succeeding beyond our wildest hopes, right? Mm -hmm. And that roller coaster nature of ADHD can make it tricky to understand how to pace ourselves in a job. And, and the idea is we want to get the peaks and valleys to be less, right? We want Hopefully we're pulling the valleys up to make the roller coaster less intense. But if we have to lower the peaks too, sometimes you got to lower the peaks so that it's less of a roller coaster, it's less intense. And then we have more space to work on raising the valleys up because we're not going above and beyond all the time. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I, I like how you picked up on the trauma stuff. It, it does come up. It's, it's, yeah, let me show my worth. Let me validate that I can do this. So good. What else do you want to say when it comes to the, the, so now we're in it. Let's say the person is in this burnout. What do they, what do they do? What do, how do they pull out <laughs> if they can? I mean, I, I think burnout is always going to be there. It's just the intensity of it. And how do we just get out of it? I think it depends on the person and their situation, right? Cause like, let's be honest. If you have ADHD, there's a better than even chance that the way you treat your burnout is you quit. Yes. Oh, yeah. Right. I've been there. Like, let's Resign be straight about it. 14 years with like two minutes. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. Send the letter two weeks notice. I'm out. 
Right. And that's, that's entirely possible. That's, yep. that's a thing that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, other things are, are start taking care of yourself. Like recognize that the burnout is happening. Find out why is it, is it your job? Is it not your job? Cause that could happen too, right? At the moment, my dad is, is 75 years old and you know, like the warranty is coming due and he needs some support and he needs some, I'm taking him to chemo every Friday, every other Friday now, because progress. My job is not any harder than it used to be. What changed is that I only have four days to do it in now. I used to have five days to spread clients out and do the podcast and get everything done in. And now I only have four days because every Friday is devoted to my dad. Yeah. That's not the fault of my job. It, I work for myself, so thankfully I can say, hey, boss, yes, Brendan, I need to take every Friday off from now until I don't know when. And then my boss, who is me, says, okay, cool, do that, right? Like, that's part of why I'm taking my dad to chemo is because I make my own schedule. I also have pretty strict rules around setting boundaries on family time. so. I have two sons. I have a wife. I try to devote my weekends to them. Saturday is getting eaten up a little bit by the podcast. I do spend like three or four hours on a Saturday getting the podcast nailed down. I'm trying to change that, but I haven't pulled it off yet. But the rest of the time, it's I'm hanging out with my kids. So I just have less time. And that's not the nature of my job. But it does lead to me having periods of burnout, periods where I'm like, I'm done. I don't care anymore. I don't want to do it. And thankfully, I have enough clients to just I'm going to meet with a client, but I'm not going to try to chase a new one down. So, so the way I'm treating my burnout is through self-care. It's through trying to eat better, trying to exercise, trying to make sure I'm spending time with friends and getting quality time with my wife and quality time with my kids. And when, when there's opportunities to take a day and, and go skiing with my boys, like we did on Tuesday, I'm doing that because it's quality time with my kids. Does it mean I had to work extra hard this week? Yeah, because now I only have three days to get everything done. Like on that end, it was more intense. But Tuesday was meaningful for me and my boys. And I can kind of relax into that memory and navigate the rest of the week, right? Um, and getting outside is is critical. My boys are in Boy Scouts, so we go camping at least once a month. And that that's helpful having some time outdoors with friends and my kids, those kinds of self-care moments and self-care strategies, whatever your self-care may be, it could be yoga, it can be water skiing, it can be weightlifting, it can be ultimate Frisbee as part of a league. I don't know. It could be anything, whatever those things are. I want to, I want to challenge you for a second. I'm hearing like this, this listener going, that's all good and dandy, Brandon. But I'm in this. I'm stuck in it. You don't understand. This is like my hell right now. Mm -hmm. What's one thing you want to say to that person that just does not see, you know, past where they are? No, I agree with them. It is their hell, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that what I'm sharing isn't going to help. And it, it, but it might not help enough, right? Like that's, that's there, right? Like it's, I, I am not a magic bullet. I can't wave a wand and make everything better. And I am tired of that as a expectation for people. And I don't mean people in my position. I mean, like 
as people, we think we should be able to just magically fix our problems like that. And it isn't, it isn't the case. Mm -hmm. So instead we have to look at it from the perspective of building a solution to that problem and 10% better. And it's going to be a process and it's going to be hard. The compounding interest of that 10% will make a huge difference six months to a year from now. But in the short term, it's not going to seem like a big deal. It's going to be like, who cares? I, I took a walk today, like big whoop. Yeah, but if you take a walk every day, consistently, for six months, you're going to find that that has some pretty significant impact on your mental health, on your cardiovascular health, on how much you weigh potentially. Those small things, because a 20, 30-minute walk is not that big in the grand scheme of things, but it'll pay dividends in the long run. That's so good because I, I think of, for me, it was my normal. It was what I was conditioned myself to be in that kind of high intense. And I was one of those people that literally said, I work best under stress. Like I was so proud of that bullshit, you know? And now that I look back, I'm like, oh my God, the damage. I mean, at 35, I was diagnosed with cancer. And for me, that was my burnout of my body said enough of this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So I love what you're saying is that, yeah, that walk six months down the road, it'll become your new thing. And, and it, at least it's something to pull you out of it. And the expectation, man, can we talk about that for a second? Of I need to fix this all or nothing. Yeah, that's, that's cultural, right? Like I'm not faulting individual people here. Yep. That's a cultural expectation that drives me nuts. And this is, you mentioned earlier, and I haven't played with it yet. But my concept of is it the fish or is it the water, mm -hmm. right? Like, is the fish sick because the fish is sick or is the fish sick because it's swimming in a toxic ocean, river, lake? Beautiful. Yeah. And we're swimming in a toxic ocean. We are. Mm -hmm. Because the world is in such flux. Because there's a... Worldwide pandemic going on. I don't know if you guys are aware of this or not, but there's this worldwide pandemic that's causing lots of problems for the country and the world. And that's affecting things. And also we are in a, a state, if I can get a little, I don't know how political you want me to get on this. Oh, please go ahead, whatever. Um, but But we're living at a time when the the owner class is taking advantage of the workers, mm -hmm. right? Like workers are, it's starting to change, but it's not that great yet where more, more is being expected of them. They're getting paid less like that. And as a guy who is part of that worker class, right? That's bad. <laughs> and that's that toxicity is affecting everything, including your, I work best under pressure. Mm -hmm. Like that's not coming from you. That's coming from the hustle culture, capitalism nature of the United States. And you shouldn't rest. You should just go, 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 do, 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 earn, 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 produce, produce, produce. Except that 90%, 98% of people are not producing for themselves. They're producing for other people who have more than enough money, right? Like the United States is in the middle of inflation not because of the people buying stuff, but because corporations are just raising prices because they found out they can charge more. No other reason for the most yeah. part. Like it's primarily, oh no, you'll spend 
$10 a pound for steak. Well, then we're going to raise it to $10 a pound. Yeah. Um, and, and I like, I'm sure some of your listeners are like, that guy's a communist. And no, I'm not like I, people, I have people who work for me, like, and also I work for me, so I'm not like a communist, <laughs> but this is the reality of the country that we live in and the world that we live in, but especially specifically the United States where there's, it's celebrated and looked at as a badge of honor if you don't rest, right? Like I, I can live off of only six hours of sleep and I still get everything done and I don't, I haven't taken a vacation in 15 years and those kinds of badges of honor that are absurd and that lead to burnout. Yeah, the wake up at 5 a.m. and get your stuff done. Oh, my God. I just want to, like, smack them upside the head when I hear that. Like, no, my body does not wake up at 5 a.m. It just doesn't. I'm 46 years old and it just doesn't work that way. Yeah. It hasn't forever. And and zooming out to the United States like that, zooming out to sort of capitalism culture, right, is important because that is it the fish or is it the water is like a Russian nesting doll in a lot of ways, right? Like as an employee, I'm the fish. And then the water is the company that I work for. But also we can look at that company as the fish and the larger economic capitalist culture that we work, that we live in as the water that that business exists in, that that company exists in. So it, it keeps going up and it's hard to vilify a business for doing the things that it needs to do to exist in the kind of economic structure that we have in the world. And, and everyone yelling at me about being a communist. Capitalism's great. Capitalism did a lot of really good stuff. The best metaphor I've heard for capitalism is that it's time to start thinking about capitalism as the booster rocket that got the human race out of orbit but we're out of orbit and we don't need the booster rocket anymore. We need to figure mm -hmm. out what the, what the gentler rockets and, and power methods are to get us to where we're going next. It's a, it's, we're really, I think, at a point where what got us here is not going to get us there. Whatever there is for all of Earth and the entire human species, I don't know. But I think we're kind of outgrowing capitalism to some degree. Mm -hmm. And needing something a little more fine-tuned. So what would you recommend? What would be your self-advocacy in this world that we live in now? What would one move towards that? We have more options now, right? Mm -hmm. Yay COVID, I guess. Because working from home is a choice. Yeah. And work, if you can have that option and it's something you're able to do, not everybody with ADHD can pull that off. Yes, Some of us need to be in the office with the accountability, with the pressure to do the stuff that's expected of us. Yeah, Other people are going to be able to self-motivate in the degree that they need to, to navigate working from home. And that's great if you can work from home because now you can take breaks when you need to take breaks. You don't have to feel that pressure and that anxiety of like, am I going to be judged for sitting down for 10 minutes and watching a YouTube video to help me activate to then do whatever it is they need to do for my job. Amen. <laughs> right. But if you're in the office, you can't really do that because you're going to like run the risk of someone catching you and getting in trouble or the social pressure of your office peers and reputation stuff that he's always watching YouTube videos, even though he's not, 
He just always watches YouTube video at 12.30 to activate for the second half of the day after he's done eating lunch. And you just happen to only walk by his office at 12.30. So you think he's always on YouTube, mm-hmm. right? That kind of stuff. So some of it is is find out what what new options are open to you, including working from home, a hybrid model where some days you're working from home, some days you're in the office. Any other interesting things that happened at your job as a consequence of COVID, maybe that stuff can still be used. I know a lot of that stuff is starting to sunset and people, bosses and leadership are trying to take that away. But if it worked, it worked and let them know. Um, I would also advocate at home for what your needs are. Like if you have a family and you know that you need 10 minutes to go for a walk when you get home from work, because that'll clear your head. Let them know, do that. That's allowed. And maybe, maybe that's how something you do at work too. Maybe when you eat lunch, you go for, you go for a stroll around the building or something to, to try to get that navigated more effectively. Maybe, maybe that's how you have your meetings with people is like, instead of a meeting sitting in an office, take the meeting and go stroll around the building or around the campus of wherever you work. So good. That's like a cool kid thing. In some, like in Silicon Valley and stuff, that's like all the cool kids take walking meetings because that's the hip new thing, or at least it was like five or 10 years ago. Yeah. But it's still going to be seen that way. Just make sure you have notes. Make sure you bring like a notebook to write stuff down in as you're being spoken, as you're talking. Because one thing you're not going to have is a visual reminder of what you talked about. Like you would if it was in an office, you could sit down and like look at that bookshelf that's going to remind you of the thing you talked about. Because you're going to have to rewalk the whole road to get those visual reminders that people with ADHD so often need. So instead, replace the visual reminders with a written down reminder, which I guess is still a visual reminder. So one of the other things that I see, Brandon, is is boundaries. All of this, like, I have boundaries, but no, you really don't. I think that's really interconnected with burnout. And sometimes Mm -hmm. the boundaries could be that like, I remember in the beginning of last year, I was like through the roof, busy, busy with clients. I was also on Clubhouse, hosting rooms and doing like community rooms. And I was just like everywhere. There was like no boundaries. But I was also stimulated by all of this. And then last summer, I'm like, oh, shit, I'm experiencing burnout in my own business. What is that all about? So boundaries and burnout. What you got on that? Boundaries are a form of self-care. Mm-hmm. Right. And we don't always look at them that way. We don't always necessarily think of it that way. But boundaries are recognizing what your needs are, recognizing what your limitations are, and then setting some rules around what that looks like. You might need to set a boundary that you're not working on stuff after you leave from work or after five or six o'clock. Um, you might want to set about, I know I have friends who have like social boundaries. I've got people who are like, I don't make friends at work oh. the end. Right. Which if that's the industry you're in, cool. If you're in such a cutthroat industry that you can't have friends at work because you've been burned by folks. And this is the mentality of the people that I know who have that rule. They're like, no, I've made friends at work before. And then they backstabbed me or they undermined me or they whatever. And I thought this person was my friend and it turned out they weren't. And I'm not going to fight you on that. That's a, apparently the industry you work in. That's what need, how it needs to go. Maybe leave that industry 
too, right? Like maybe that's a time mm-hmm. to reconsider that. But some industries are that competitive and it's that it's that driven. And and so you've got to, and you have to consider that, right? Because my friends in those industries, they're making a lot of money and good for them. Like, I'm not going to argue that. That's awesome. They make way more money than I make, but there's a trade-off. The trade-off is they can't make friends at work, right? And that's when they where they spend most of their time. So they're at work and they're always kind of have their head in a swivel. Um, and that that's an element of boundaries too. It's like, there's a trade-off for that. You might want to set a boundary around how many times you say yes to stuff, mm-hmm. like which is where we started this conversation around, I'm going to volunteer for everything. Mm-hmm. Maybe you limit yourself in advance as a way to control your ADHD impulsiveness you're like, I can only volunteer for one project a month or whatever yeah. makes sense, right? That way you're staying balanced and you're staying in the pocket of where you're healthy and where you're going to be able to do the things you need to do. And a, a boundary that I set with regard to saying yes to things is I just work really hard to keep in mind that every time I'm saying yes to something, I'm saying no to everything else. Yeah. Right now in this moment, I'm not meeting with a client. I'm not checking my email. I'm not eating lunch. I'm not exercising. I'm not sitting on the couch watching television. I'm not reading a book. I'm not drawing a picture. I'm not hanging out with my wife. I'm not hanging out with my kids. I'm not calling a friend. I'm not brushing my teeth. There's a lot of stuff I'm not doing right now because I'm doing this. Mm -hmm. It's literally everything that isn't this I have said no to because I said yes to this. And a lot of us with ADHD lose track of that. Yes, absolutely. And keeping that in mind helps me set boundaries around my yes. It helps me guard my yes. If I can steal a phrase from my friend Renee Brooks of Black Girl Lost Keys, which check her out if you haven't. Yeah. That, that's boundaries, right? And boundaries are good to set when you're not emotional. Because when we set emotional boundaries, they're often stronger than they need to be. Mm. they're often more charged than they need to be. And they're often not that well thought out. So they might be too narrow or too broad. Great. Instead, wait till you're calm. Think about that boundary you wanted to set when you were aggravated or stressed or anxious. Figure out how to set it in the most effective and healthy way that you can. And then talk to people about what that boundary is. The people that need to know. And I, the, the talk to people I always say is, is, to the point, assertive communication. This is how I feel. This is what it is. This is what I want. Because we tend to always give a little bit of context or too much context. And for all these reasons under the sun, I'm setting the boundaries. Like, no, just get to the point. They don't need to know all the the, the details in between. But the good stuff push- that's... But, but there's a little bit of what's in it for them, what's mm-hmm. in it for you kind of win-win for the whole universe and everybody, but go ahead and push where else could we? Yeah, no, I'm going to push back on that a little tiny bit. I think you're right that people with ADHD can give way too much, or let me change that. You're right. People with ADHD can give too much context. Mm -hmm. That said, context matters and a reason matters. There's been studies, psychological studies on this. You're more likely to get a yes. You're more likely to get acceptance of something if you give a reason. Mm -hmm. So if you're setting a boundary saying, I notice that I keep committing to too many side projects at work. So 
I'm just letting you know, I'm only going to commit to one a month. Oh, boss person. Letting your boss know that is probably a good idea because if they're used to you always saying yes, and now you're like, I'm only doing one a month, they might say, what's wrong with this, with Ted? How come all of a sudden he's turning things down? Right. Mm -hmm. And that might reflect poorly on you. They might, he must not prioritize work like he used to. Mm -hmm. Whereas that's not why it's because I want to prioritize work that I'm saying yes to one project a month. But if I don't communicate that, my boss might have the wrong impression. So I need to give context in that regard. I also want to give context about that with this example, because if my boss knows I'm only going to say yes to one project a month, he's going to pick the projects that I'm best suited for to ask me to do. Mm -hmm. As opposed to previously when he or she might've been throwing all kinds of random stuff at me. Now it's going to be the ones that I'll have the biggest impact on. Great example. Yeah. Um, A really small piece of this, like giving a reason, this is one of my favorite studies that I've ever read. And it's, it's probably 10 or 15 years ago old at this point, And I don't remember where I read it, but it's, it's an actual study where they had, and one of the reasons I love that it's happened in schools, which is I used to be a teacher. So in schools, there's all kinds of competition for the photocopy machine, or at least there used to be back before everything went digital. <laughs> and they ran a study to see if giving a reason helped people get permission to use the photocopier. So they'd wait till someone was running like 300 copies of a worksheet or something. And they'd send someone in to try to interrupt it. Because on a photocopier, you can stop the job that's going on, do another job, and then go back to the one that was happening previously. And they had people say, hey, I'm sorry, do you mind? I just need to make one copy, right? And those people got an ex- a yes less often than the person who went in and said, hey, do you mind? I just need to make one copy. Because this kid forgot their homework, because Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. someone lost their field trip form or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. The people who gave a reason got a yes more often. And the best part about this was it was not statistically significant what the reason was. It didn't seem to matter. So if someone went up to them and said, hey, do you mind? I just want to make one copy because I want to make one copy. That worked. It's no new information. <laughs> they just use the word because. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, Brandon. It, it just, but it's one specific reason as opposed to 20 reasons that goes right. behind Yeah, one I've reason. That. Maybe two. Maybe yeah. two if it really matters. But you don't need yeah. to go on and on forever. We, we TMI really a lot, right? Yep. Like we just go all over the, for all the reasons under the sun. I wandered into capitalism earlier, so I'm not. Oh, that's okay. It was appropriate. <laughs> that's totally fine. But, you know, that that's great. The boundaries thing. And it again, folks, it's not overnight. It's we've been at it for a while. We coach people on this. It, it takes time. It's it's a bit of unlearning. It's a bit of behavior change. And you just don't wake up after, you know, 46 years of being a certain way. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm still workaholic recovery and progress. <laughs> You know, and I'll I'll claim that it just it has been and it's I experienced it through my life and I am always transparent on this podcast to say it's hey, it happens, but then it's it's not the sharp peaks and valleys. I'm on hills now with it. Mm-hmm. Like it just kind of, oh, there it is. Okay, let's get out of it. Oh, there it is again, and here it is. Because it'll always be there and life events happen and, and all that good stuff. So, Brandon, any last words you wanna 
leave us with with all your wisdom that you shared today? Playing with burnout a little more and playing with the protective factor of burnout. Mm -hmm. Something that maybe can help us avoid burnout is get clear on your values. Get clear on what matters to you. And don't be afraid to prioritize the things that you value as necessary. And that, that might mean you value being productive. And so you're killing it at work. Great. That might mean you value your mental health. And that means you're taking a break at work. Or you're putting in a little bit less effort right now because you're in a valley and you recognize that. That might mean you value your productivity, but you also recognize the hills and valleys of your productivity. So when you're killing it, you kill it. And when you're in a dip, you let yourself be in the dip so that you can come out of the dip faster, right? Yep. It might mean you value your family and you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm only going to work so hard for you, boss, because I'm going to go home at five o'clock every day and I'm not going to come in until nine o'clock in the morning every day. And that's just the way it goes. And if my kid is sick, I'm going to be taking care of them. That's fine. If your boss doesn't like that, there's other jobs. The quits rate in the United States is pretty high at the moment. There's mm -hmm. jobs to be had. Um, so just pay attention to, to what your values are and see what you can do with them and how you can leverage them to help you set boundaries, to help you avoid and manage your burnout. Cause your, your values are also part of how we get refueled and how we get some of that energy back. So I don't think people pay enough attention to their values. So that's, I'll leave it with that. Yep. Agreed. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. It's, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Kathy. Yeah. Let's let's riff on something else soon. I'm sure we'll think of something else. And yeah. We'll be chatting yeah. for sure. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to our conversation. Another episode with Coach Kathy and Proudly ADHD. And until next time, keep on shining.